Uh, go to Socrative.com and go to the student login. The student login. And then the room number is 50168. And I've got it up and running. Uh, there is a place there for questions if you have them. I'll see if I can address any of them as we're working through this and uh, some opportunity uh, for people to maybe ask a question. And then there's always a couple of smart alecks in the room. Last time was I'm trapped in the room and can't get out. And uh, so I'm tracing those down. Uh, I do have a few people who have some uh, clearance to some things, and we'll, uh, we'll be checking that, who that person is. I have a good idea, but uh, anyway, but uh, you, there, you don't have to leave any information. Uh, you're not going to leave your name. There's no way to trace it, uh, so we can, uh, uh, so you can feel free to ask questions. And if I can, I'll get to them. If not, we'll start next week with some of those. But anyway, we've been looking at John chapter 14, and I'd shared before that I don't think that John chapter 14 is specifically or uniquely for funerals, uh, because that's not really what's happening at this point. What this uh, passage seems to be about is somewhat our failures. Failures. Uh, Peter is going to deny Jesus. The disciples are in some kind of disarray. And so I'm looking at this under this conversation with Jesus, under this topic of truths for trouble. Truths for trouble. And this is a troubling time in the lives of the disciples. And as you might imagine, I would say that probably in our lives and in our culture, uh, there's a couple of troubles that we're dealing with, right? Uh, I always uh, want to deal with uh, my students uh, to talk about, you know, they'll come to me sometimes with a, with a problem and they'll say, I have a trouble here. And I say, well, what is that? And they'll say, uh, and I tell them, this is n never say this to professors. They say, I didn't get your assignment in because I had such a big assignment for another class, I didn't have time. <laughs> See how that's going to work. <laughs> you know, they'll say, but, but Dr. Sanders, you know, you, know you, should, you should give me a little more time. Or, or they'll sometimes come to me after they've missed class and they'll say, uh, you know, I missed class. So I go, yes, I know. We were pretty torn up about it. And, uh, and, uh, so, so I, and then they say this. They're trying to find the, the, the truth. I'm thinking, what world do you live in? They say, did y'all do anything? <laughs> no, we just sat around. You know, we didn't do anything. You weren't here. Uh, we thought, let's just wait, you know, until everybody gets back. Uh, but students sometimes have trouble with truth. They're, they're trying to work their lives around. I, I, I know I, I'm going to start my 25th year of teaching in January. I cannot believe they haven't run me off yet. Yeah, nobody else is doing that. No, <laughs> the students are going, when's he going to retire? Uh, but thank you. Anyway. Um, but I have noticed one of the truths that students have trouble with and struggle with is technology. If you've been, we were at Pablano Grill yesterday, Becky and I and a friend, and there was a family of six people sitting at a table, and five of them were looking at their phones. I thought, wow, what truth is that telling us about our culture? My students, and I don't mind, I use technology. Huh? Huh? See? See? I keep you from making a grocery list by doing this. <laughs> uh, I use technology in class, and, and one, one of the things that I say to them is, I know, you're, I know you struggle with it. I know, I know it's, a, it's a problem for you. It's trouble for them. There is some evidence that indicates that there are some addictive personalities. There are some addictive tendencies that people have to take. Everybody's getting off of Facebook right now when I said that, right? <laughs> Who, me? Who, me? Uh, you know, so, so, so they have trouble with this, and I... And, and I said to them, I said, so I'm going to help you with this. And uh, so that you don't get tempted. 
And so I said, one, the way I'm going to help you with this trouble is if you bring a notebook or a, a tablet or, or your iPhone to use it, that as soon as class is over, uh, you have to send me your, your notes that you took in class. And they went, what? <laughs> yeah, you know those things you're supposed to be taking while I'm talking in class? Notes? Now, I, I call that, I thought this is the best way to help them deal with that. I said, this is my, I didn't want to talk about this. This is how I'm going to hammer you for not taking notes policy, uh, although that's what it is. Um, this is my technology etiquette policy. Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that, that, I mean, that sounds nice. I have a technology etiquette in here. Well, students have trouble with that. They're, they're struggling with that. I, I watch it all the time. There's trouble in our lives. Students have trouble. We uh, uh, deal with it all the time. But Jesus here seems to be dealing with some really fundamental trouble here. So I'm going to ask us to look at this, about some truths for this troubled time. Truths that have to be dealt with or at least managed uh, within this idea. So we're going to start here again uh, in 14. I'll, I'll start reading. On your outline, I've got some of the uh, uh, things from last week. I'll just give them to you real quick. This is what we did last week. The first truth for trouble uh, is the thing never worked. The first truth is to recognize Jesus' authority. Believe in me. The second truth there we went over was the, the truth is to hear Jesus' assurance. There's room for you, two to three. And today we're going to start with this uh, idea. Of the third truth of trouble is Jesus' assertion. Now I'll just start at verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus answered and said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm going to stop there because I don't think I'm going to get any further than that. I have some notes for it, but I'm going to stop there. That there is in this passage here a problem here, or if you will, about Jesus' assertion. Notice what Jesus says. You know the way where I'm going. You know the way where I'm going. He'd already said I'm going to my Father's house. Now, it's interesting. This is just sort of... Uh, the structure, if you will, of this passage, it just is interesting to me as to how this is formatted by John. When Jesus says this, if you'll notice, He says, you know the way, you know the way that I am going. Notice here, you know the way where I am going. And, and Philip puts it right back to him. He said, we don't know where you're going. And we don't know the way. That's just an interesting structure there. We, we call that in, in, in biblical terms, it's a chiasm. It's a crossing. Way is A. Where is B? Where is B? Way is A. It's just an interesting structure here. And what the author is attempting to do is to focus on this idea, if you will, on the way and the where that Jesus is going. Uh, if you, it's just interesting. New American Standard, at least, uh, pulls that out there in that kind of structure. It's called chiasm. It's kind of a crossing, if you will, an X. That's the, the, uh, the letter for key, uh, key in Greek, uh, the X there. But, so th this idea of troubling 
Jesus's assertion, this troubling thing. You know the way. And then Philip says, "We don't." Or, uh, Thomas says, "We don't know where." I love, I love him. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Now, when Jesus says, "You know the way that I'm going," notice where he say he was going is going to his father's house. Now, I, I want to ask you to think about this. That one of the reasons this assertion may be confusing is what is the father's house? Now we've suggested here at some level that it might be heaven. And it probably is. On the other hand, in the book of John, in chapter 2, when Jesus cleansed the temple, He called it what? This is my Father's, my father's house. You've made my Father's house. He said, I'm going to my Father's house. Now, I, I just want us to read this as if we were there and not just a bunch of Christians who know the end. You know, that, that's the problem sometimes. We read it because we know all the answers to it. But think about it, if you're there, there's some sense of confusion here about this assertion. Where is the Father's house? What are you talking about, Jesus? Where are you going and how are you going to get there? And so Jesus may have been, or not may have been, they may have been confused because Jesus is attempting to go on a different tact here to say, you know the temple, it's found in John chapter 2 verse 13, the temple is my Father's house, but I'm going to my Father's house which is in heaven, and you know the way. And look what he says there. You know the way and where I'm going. Now, let's, let's look at this here for a moment. It seems to me that Thomas is saying, well, obviously, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. I, I just want you to consider, uh, I, I like Thomas because he's going to answer a question other people are asking or thinking, Right? I tell students that sometimes. Don't be embarrassed to ask a question because you may be asking a question other people, you know, are already thinking about. Uh, you know, I wonder if the guys are saying, come on, ask him, ask him. You know, what is it? What is it? Where is he going? And, and Thomas says, we, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. Now, it's going to give the opportunity for this great statement. But look what Jesus said. You know the way. You know the way. The Greek word here, know. The idea is more than simply intellectual information. Greek has several ways to say the word no. Um, and uh, my mother would have loved that. And I don't mean N-O, I mean K-N-O-W. <laughs> my mother would like to have had lots of ways to say no to me. No, no, no. Uh, but this is K-N-O-W, to know. Jesus saying, you know the way. You know the way. Now, what, is it, what if Jesus is suggesting this? That he's saying, you know the way because you know what? Me. You know the way because you know me. Now, he, he's going to take this further here in a moment. But you know the way because you know me. I'm the way. When I was reading that and studying that some time ago, I thought, here's what I think happens to the disciples and happens to us. We want techniques and methods. Show us the way. Which way is it? How do I get there? How long will it take me to get there? And what are the stops? We want technique. We want principles. And Jesus says, it's me, a person. We want methodologies. We want protocols. We want, how do I find the way? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Hey, it's me. When I thought about that, I thought about this guy. I know you'll, you'll recognize him here. The guy on the left, not the guy on the right. <laughs> this is a picture of me and my friend Ari a few years ago. I think I mentioned we'd gone to Israel and more than once. 
when we went to Israel, uh, we sat by this guy on the plane. He's an electrical engineer at a university in Haifa. And uh, got to know him. He's a really nice guy. And when we landed, uh, I had never flown out of the United States. I've driven out of the United States. Uh, I've taken a couple other trips. Uh, I won't say that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, been out of the United States, did a few other things like that. But I'd never flown out. I never had to go through customs. And I figured my picture was on the wall somewhere, you know. <laughs> Just, they'd heard of me. And uh, you usually hear me before you ever see me, generally. That, that's how Becky finds me at the mall. And uh, I'm talking or coughing or clearing my throat or something. But we get ready to go. And, you know, I had brochures and I had all kinds of uh, maps. I bought a book that told me everything about Israel that you ever want to know where to go and like that. And when we got off the plane, Ari said to me, Cliff, I'm going to take you through customs. And I said, that's awful kind of you. I said, you, you know, you know, he said, oh, I've got some time. So he, he walks Becky and I, if we take this uh, picture, uh, I look like my dad would say, like I've been rode hard and hung up wet. Uh, <laughs> we'd, we'd flown all night and I would have been writing a paper. And uh, so Ari uh, takes us through and takes us to the custom place. Now there were signs all over the place to read, you know, and, and to see that. Uh, and, and we could have just followed. I can read. Uh, but he said, I'll just take you. I'll, I'll take you through there. So we go, and he waits, and he sees us, and I show him my passport, and the guy looks at me, and I look at him like, can I come in? You know? And uh, anyway, um, uh, I had some friends there. Uh, so uh, we go there. Then he says, I'll take you over here. We have to go through to get out to get your luggage. And then I'll take you out here, and I'll show you where your friends are probably waiting, unless your friends are like my friends, and they're just bunking you, and they're not going to be here. They were, thankfully. But I thought about that. I thought, you know what? What if I would have gone through Israel with a map or with a brochure? I didn't, I didn't go through Israel there, through the airport, get through all that with a map or a brochure or signs. I had a guide. had somebody with me. You see, Jesus is not saying, I've just got some information for you here. I'm the way. I'm the way. And, and, I, and I wrote in my notes here, I just thought about this. You know, that sometimes that in our lives when it says, I don't know where you're going. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what to do. We're thinking method. Do I need to pray more? Read more? Study more? Go to church more? Believe more? Try more? Is there some magical technique? I could go to a conference where somebody can teach me the trick, the trade, the way in the Christian life. And I just want to say again, it always comes back to this. The method is Jesus. It is to follow Him. It is to have Him as the central piece or feature or understanding, whatever word you want to use here, of following Him. He is the way. So we can say this. You know the way. You know me. You know me. Is it true for you? It is for me. That my Christian life sometimes moves from the personal to the principle. You ever like that? That my, my relationship with God sometimes starts personally in the personal realm and moves to just principles. So I do things because they're the right thing to do. That's probably not bad, but I do things because it's the right thing to do. Or I do things because it's correct. It, it follows the ethic or the mentality of what Christians believe. Instead of that I follow the person of Jesus here to suggest 
that what's happening is that I'm following a person. I have a guide. How would you like to go to Israel? Like to have a map or a guide? How, how would, what, what would you rather do? You'd rather have a guide, wouldn't you? Whenever we're going through life, when Jesus says, you know the way, I'm the way. He's going to say that in more forceful terms, but you know the way. You know where I'm going. You know who I am, and I'm the way. Now, maybe I'm the only person here that ever struggles with that idea that I think about, I do think, because it's the right thing to do, or because I've learned an ethic or a principle or a way of living. Instead of being a real, personal response to the person of Jesus. That's different, isn't it? That it's a real, personal response to the person of Jesus. I'm not doing this just because there's a verse or just because this is my tradition or the people I hang out with think it's the right thing to do or a methodology that I've somehow mastered. It's I'm just saying, Jesus, you're the way. I have to follow you. I told you last week that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German martyr, made this famous statement toward the end of his life when he said, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where this is going to lead. I don't know where this is going to happen. But I know I'm following Jesus. I, I don't know exactly where that is. I've told you before, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but when I say I believe in the totally inspired, inerrant Word of God, and you're thinking, good, he believes the Bible, right? Yeah, I do. I believe in the total, inerrant, inspired Word of God. And His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I am thankful for the Bible. I am thankful for what it teaches me and tells me. But I can't lose grip with the reality that this book is trying to teach me about a person. My dad used to tell this funny story back years ago when some of y'all were alive back then when they had invented writing uh, people used to write letters you know people used to write letters and this guy was out of town writing his fiance who lived in uh, I think Dallas and uh, so um, uh, he was writing these letters almost every day you know I, I read about John Wooden who was the great basketball coach at UCLA who wrote his wife every day I'm thinking, I mean, I got a lot of words, but I think I'd still run out of stuff to say. You know? But so this guy wrote his, his fiance every day, and as, as she did, the, the letters kept coming, and the mailman kept coming to the house and, and delivering the mail, and she was so excited to see it. But after a while, all those letters and all that contact, she fell in love with the mailman. <laughs> Ouch. Not what you want. Now, now, let me make it this way. See, Thomas wants a method. What's the method here? How do I get there? What's the way? Jesus said, you know the way. He's looking right at you. You know the way. You know the way here to live. I'm the way. He's going to say that in much more forceful terms here in a moment. I'm not, I'm not picking on me or you or us, but I am saying this, that I think sometimes that we can fall in love with wonderful things like the Bible. It's where I find out about Jesus. I'm not denigrating the Bible. I'm not saying it's not important. I am saying, and I'll say it again, I'm repeating myself. As I said last week, 
The Bible is like a windshield. When you drive your car, you don't concentrate on the windshield. You look through it to see where you're going. The Bible is like a windshield. I'm not denigrating it. I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't important. I'm simply saying the Bible is not simply a set of methods and principles and concepts. There's a person here that we want to meet. There's a person we want to encounter. There's a reality that we want to live in instead of just having ideas and concepts. And I struggle with that all the time. I have a tendency to think because I'm reading it and studying that I'm in control of it and I know it instead of saying, Lord, help me encounter, if you will, the person of this. And we're going to move on here because I, I want to I ask you something. What if this week you took a different way or route to work or to school or to movies or wherever you go? And when you do, remember that you do not have a map but a guide. On purpose, take a, you know, make, go one block out of the way. I'm not saying you have to go to San Antonio. But, but just on your way to work, on your way to the grocery store, on your way to the movies, on your way to wherever you're going, just take a little bit different route. Take a block off. Do something. To remind you, you don't have a map here. This isn't just, this isn't just a map here. This is a guide. There's a person here, if you will, who is present and real, and so I think that's why he can say to, to to Thomas, "You know the way." He's standing right in front of you. Now they don't understand that yet. This is why I think Jesus has got to say it more forcefully. You know the Greek word here meaning you have personal knowledge of me. You know me. Okay. Then the second thing here I see, the fourth truth for trouble is Jesus' affirmation. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, this is one of those uh, past. I have some friends that uh, uh, serve at another church and congregation, and they did a series of, of teachings on the exclusive claims of Christianity. And there are some, and this is one of them. And I want to try to work uh, through this uh, at some point about this affirmation. Jesus makes a bold statement here. He doesn't say, I know the way. <laughs> he doesn't say, I know the truth. He doesn't say, I know the life. He says, I am. Now, we've talked about this. These are some more of those I am statements in the Gospel of John. I'm the good shepherd. I am the uh, door. Uh, you know, I am the bread of life. And say all, all of these I am statements, these are culminating here in this statement. I am the way. I am am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, what does this mean? Uh, this, this, this has a way of, in our culture particularly, uh, where there's a lot of political correctness and a lot of things going on uh, to where uh, this gets a little uh, close to the, uh, to the skin, doesn't it? When people say, well, you Christians think you're all this and all that. I want to try to work through this because I want to suggest a couple of things here, uh, as you might imagine. Uh, here we go. Uh, one, Jesus says here, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Now, let, let's, let's look at it here in this category. Way to God. The context here uh, is to uh, people, Jewish people, who know something about God 
and, and know uh, of the presence of Yahweh. And really, in the Gospel of John, the struggle with who Jesus is is the real thing at, at, at stake. Uh, Jesus will often say to the religious leaders, you don't, you don't know God the Father because if you did, you'd know me. So, so, so Jesus is making a statement here that here he's the only, he's the way, the truth, and the only way uh, to the Father, talking to Jewish people. Now, look at it, what he says. No one comes to the Father but through me. Let me suggest something here that Jesus may be saying. And we'll try to get in a more traditional interpretation here in a second. Is Jesus saying, no one can know God as a father but through me? I'm going to give you some evidence here in a minute how major religions do not understand God as a father. That is a unique idea. So we'll look at that. Is he saying, I'm the only way to God and I'm the only path so anyone who doesn't follow that path, anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus, anyone who hasn't heard about Him, will never make it to the Father. I'm going to try to get there. I'm trying to create some tension here. You feel it? Yeah, they're thinking, does it, who is, what is this guy going to do? Who knows? <laughs> it's been around me. Let's, let's start with this first, the, oh, the way to God. We generally think of the way we're thinking of this matter of how do I get there. When Jesus says, I'm the way to the Father, the traditional understanding would be that through His life and death and resurrection, Jesus is the way or the means or the, I hate to use this word, methodology to get to God. He is the one who is able to make every Christian teaching understand that Jesus is the way to the Father, the way to His work. However, what if this also has something to say when He says, I am the way... The truth on No one gets to the Father. What if, what, if, what if Jesus is also saying, because I believe that first part, okay, so I'm, I'm not, by the way, thoughts and opinions of the teacher, not necessarily thoughts and opinions across the community, churches, elders, or leadership, okay? So, it's all free. What, what did Jesus say? He's saying, look, I'm the way in that my life, my death, my resurrection. To the that's the way to the Father. As I reflect on this and thought about that, there, there may be something else here. Again, I'm just going to ask you to consider this. His way of life is the way to the Father. His way. I'm the way. Look at me. You know, Jesus, Jesus makes some wild statements at times that confuse me. When He says, you know, that follow me, then you can be my disciple. I'm the way. A lot of people have suggested that one of the things that Jesus may be saying here is that Jesus is the way to live in a way that you go to the Father. What, what does that mean, Cliff? Well, what if it means this? That Jesus is the way, that the way He lived is the way to the Father. We, we like to think of Jesus as who paid for our sins and died on the cross. Understand that and rose again for our justification. That's the way we get it. He's paid the price. He's the but you know, there, there is this other understanding in the New Testament that Jesus made a way now that's possible for us to live. We're going to get into more detail as we get into John here as he refers to the Holy Spirit. But is Jesus the way to live? You know, in John, I'm going to go back in John here. 
In John 5.19, Jesus said this, The Son doesn't do anything unless He sees the Father doing it. Doesn't do anything. The Son is dependent, completely reliant upon the Father. Doesn't do anything unless He sees the Father doing it. And then in 5.30, in the same chapter, He makes this statement, I don't do anything unless I hear from the Father to do it. You know, Jesus' way of life is dependence on His Father. Jesus' way of life is depending completely on His Father. Now, here, here's the question. Is that just theater, kabuki theater? That Jesus is God, you know, and He can just kind of do what He wants to do. And it's all just kind of kabuki theater here. Because He didn't really have to do that. He's got, wait a minute. He said, I have to depend on my Father for everything that I do. Our failure sometimes might be that we only understand Jesus as the way in terms of He saved us, He died for us, He rose again. Our penalty, our, our, it's a crude, our ticket's been punched. And we're on our way to heaven. But let me ask you this. Is He the way to live? Is He the way to live to the Father? That, that's, that's a huge issue here for us. Because we can say Jesus is the way that He punched our ticket, He paid for our salvation, He made us go. But what is it about Christian existence and Christian living that says that Jesus is the way to God. We're not saving ourselves. Don't, don't, don't mishear me now. We're not saving ourselves. We're saying Jesus died and rose again from the dead and purchased our salvation and He makes a way of life possible. Anybody believe that anymore? Does anybody believe anymore that, that Jesus has made a way for us to live? I tell my students often, I say, you know, there are two great challenges in Christian existence. One of them is legalism, where we try to earn our way and do all we can to be good enough. And my assessment with my students, at least, is this, that, that almost all of my, none of my students struggle with legalism. None of them. Ever. I, it just... They haven't. You know, they got a trophy for competing. They got... Uh, you know, everything. I love that new commercial where that guy rips off participant and puts on their champs. And, yeah. <laughs> None of them wrestle with legalism. Now, you know what? If you're my age, I'm sorry for you, but if you're my age, if you're my age or even a little younger, you may have battled with legalism, trying to be good enough. Listen, Jesus purchased our salvation through His life and death and resurrection. It's by grace are you saved through faith. He's the way. He's the way to God. He's the way because of what He's done. But there's another terrible challenge to Christian existence that seems to be on the rise, if, if I'm any judge of it. And it's license. License. Eh, you know. And kind of do what I want to do, and God will forgive me. God sure loves me. I mean, I've been told that all this time. And, you know, we're all sinners and we're all bad. Try that with your friends. 
You know how goofy we get religiously. Like we can tell God, I know it's wrong, I know I shouldn't do it, and I know it will hurt you, and it will be painful to you, but I'm going to do it, and you'll forgive me later. Try that with your wife <laughs> or your husband or your friend and see how that works. Right? There's this other pernicious thing happening. It's called license. And so the idea that, that we would live the way that Jesus lived to the Father is almost off the radar. Like we've got so many, if you will, ways to variate it. To, to say, what do you mean? Cliff, what are you saying? That, that Jesus says, I'm the way to the Father. My kind of life. My kind of existence. How did Jesus live? Independence on the Father. Constantly relying on I don't think Jesus is kabuki theater. I think He's praying all night because He needs to. I, I think He's seeking the Father and doing what He because He desires to. I don't think this is kabuki theater. I, I don't think this is just some kind of phantom going through the world. I think He's really living this way. And I, and I ask myself, why don't I? Live like that. Because i got too many resources. <laughs> i got too many things to fall back on. Don't you? You know? I, I, you know, I had a little fall this week, and uh, my first thought wasn't, uh, oh, God, please help me. It was, will my insurance cover this? <laughs> <laughs> I think it will. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't get up this morning after I whooped down that donut to think, am I going to eat something else today? I don't have to live very dependent on Jesus, do you? I, I don't have to. I, here's where it's interesting. I think, I don't believe God causes sickness and illness necessarily, but, but, but the notion that I think that illness, sickness, and difficulty is what grabs us by the collar and says, you are not God. Had that happen? Sickness, illness, or trouble, it'll grab you by the collar and say, you better wake up, Cliff, because you're not God. And your life is not your own. Well, if that's true, let me, let me just ask you to consider a couple of things. That Jesus is saying, I'm the way. I'm the way to God in the sense that I paid the price, I made the, I made the sacrifice, but I'm the way to God and the way for you to live. Hodas, or this Greek word, the road. I'm the road. I'm the way for you to live. I think that's true. Here, let me give you some verses just real quick. Because the goal of the Christian life seems to be, or the, the plan of the Christian life, is Galatians 4.19 that says that Christ would be formed in you. Christ would be formed in you and in me. Not Jesus out there. Not Jesus as a principle or an idea. But Jesus as formed. Brought into my existence. Here's another one. In Romans 8, 28 to 29. In Romans 8, 28 to 29. We read this and it says, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. But the next verse we don't read. The next verse starts with the word for. F-O-R. And the word for means because. Or in order that. 
For those whom He foreknew, He did also predestinate today to become what? Conformed to the image of His Son. Listen, a person asked me one time, they say, you know, all things are working together for good. He said, I lost my job. You know, I've lost my health. It sounded like a country western song. And uh, <laughs> I said, well, just play it backwards, you know. Uh, get it all back. You know, he said, I've lost my health. I've lost my job. And the Bible says that all things are working together for good to those who love God. This doesn't look good to me. And I said, it's because we've reinterpreted good. Verse 29, what the word for says, here's the evidence. What is the good that God is up to for you and me? Everybody is a follower of Jesus. That you would be what? Conformed to the image of His Son. The good that God is up to is not our necessarily our health or our finance. I'm glad for those, you know. But, but the good that God is up to for those whom He foreknew, He did predestinate, they would become conformed to the image of His Son. That's what God is up to. A friend of mine one time came to me and said, man, my life is coming unglued. It's just terrible. He said, you know, I've been praying. I said, I know, you prayed a stupid prayer. You know, that's why I'm not a pastor anymore. You know. If I think it, I say it. I said, well, you prayed a stupid prayer. He said, what do you mean? I said, you, I know you, I know you, Dennis, you prayed a stupid prayer. You prayed, so, oh, God, make me more like Jesus. Go read Hebrews 4 that said, through groanings and loud cryings. Jesus was perfected. That's what it says. I'm not making this up. Through the things that He suffered. Jesus' completeness became a part because of the things that He suffered. Listen, I'm not suggesting that we all think, ooh, isn't suffering wonderful? Isn't it great to suffer? No. What I'm saying is this. That God is up to something bigger about our good than our comfort. The way that Jesus lived is the way to the Father. Do you, you ever see that disconnect that people that claim to be followers of Jesus or claim to believe? Does their life reflect any of the fruit of the Spirit or any of the life that Jesus seemed to demonstrate? Listen, He's not the way. He just didn't get your ticket punched. He's the way to live. This week I had to take my dog to the vet to get a shot. Which I already had made up in my mind that my vet should be able to do that in about 48 seconds. I already had that figured out. I'm not an idiot. It's a shot, you know. I didn't ask you to come and take pictures of him and put a bow in his hair. Give him a shot, let's go. So I'm running a little late, as always. It's their fault that I'm running late in my mind. So I'm sitting in the vet shop, uh, vet place and I'm looking at my watch often to let people know I have a watch. <laughs> I want to get out of here. I've got other things to do and Buddy's scared. And I don't like Buddy being scared. So Buddy's scared. I'm irritated. They're not doing what they said they would do. Although I did find out I had some inaccurate information later. <laughs> So I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to get hot. Because I'm thinking, how long does a shot take inside? Because I'm afraid these people go to crossings or something. You know? 
Hey, once I get north of I-40, I calm down. <laughs> On the south side, get out of the way, you idiot. No, you <laughs> Go north, man. You got to be good because you don't have any idea who these people are. You know, they may be in here. So I'm really fuming. And I'm thinking, you know, this is beyond belief. This isn't brain surgery. This isn't, you know, some medical procedure. Buddy needs an allergy shot. Please, please. And I can feel it. And then I have the sense the Spirit of God just elbowed me. And He said, are you going to live your way or the Jesus way? Are you going to let this eat your lunch? Or are you going to allow me to live in you and to give you the strength right now to live this way? He didn't use the word Jesus way. I'm using it now. The Jesus way. You know what? It didn't fix anything. They were still late. I'm still going. But on the inside, I calmed down and said, either Jesus knows the way to live or He doesn't. One or the other. He either knows how to live or he doesn't. And I said, you're the way. So as irritated as I am, I began to say, Lord, would you give me your peace and your kindness? Maybe another dog had an emergency. Or maybe my doctor has had a tough evening at home. Whatever, would you help me to live your way? So when they called me, I got Buddy, and they said, we're going to I just want a shot. I just want a shot. That's all we want. I want to weigh him. I don't want to take pictures of him. But do you need to? Yeah. Okay. So I did. I wasn't, but maybe I wasn't, wasn't angry. I just said, you know, I just need a shot. Not me. Him. Boy, they don't try that. Uh-uh. I, I, I just need a shot. Well, we need to win. Okay. All the time I'm just saying, Jesus, you know the way. You are the way. Guys, Paul says that we would be imitators of Jesus. Mimeo is the Greek word there. It's the idea of allowing him to live his life. And, and, and I don't this is not a technique or a method. But Ken Smith and I've talked about this on different occasions. That living this way of life requires us to pause. To pause. I feel this happening, rolling up in me. And I have to say, Jesus, you're in here. You live in me. Help me live your way. It's just pause. It, it, it just, it's just pause and say, what, what's, why is this occurring? What's coming up in me? This is cliff. This is his way of living. Now just pause. Pause. I want to give you one other thing, and I'll, and I'll be shut up. We got to go. I'm running late. Here's one other thing. Some of you are legalists in here. I know you because you're my age. And some of you struggle with this. You, you, you know, if you can't get it right, can I tell you something? I've learned. That in this living, this Jesus way of, 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 of pausing and here's the deal. Don't be so worried about your reaction to a situation. 
pause about your reaction to the reaction. See, I, I'm frustrated. It's a shot for crying out loud. You're not a brain surgeon in here, doctor. I won't call his name. I felt that come up. Now, if you're a legalist, you're going to say, well, see, it proves you're just not a very good Christian, Cliff. But see, nobody knew that because I was hiding, so I can do that. If you're a legalist, that bothers you. Because you have some sense in which my reactions ought to always be right. Listen, don't sweat your reaction. Pause and go the Jesus way on your reaction. to the. Like I said, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to give in to this? Am I going to allow this to go on? Or am I going to look to Jesus as the way in this moment? It's your reaction to your reaction. We're going to react in life. Things are going to happen. We're going to get irritated. Somebody's not going to do something we want them to do. It's, con it's inconvenient. And if you're a legalist, then you start thinking, man, what's wrong with me? Well, we don't have time for that. But uh, <laughs> it's your reaction to the reaction. So I look at my life and say, I want to go the Jesus way. This is not the Jesus way here. So pause. Pause. So I just want to ask you to do this week. It's not on your outline. I didn't get as far as I thought I would. Huh, imagine that, huh? Here, here's, what, here's what I want you to consider. This week. Application. Because we've got to do something about this. It can't be just something in our head. Okay? So... I want you this week to have clear in your head. You write it on a card somewhere where you see that Jesus is the way for you to go to God because of His life, death, and resurrection. Write it on a card. Put it in front of your face. You're clear on that. That you know that Jesus is the way through His life, death, and resurrection. Okay? The second thing, though, I want you to consider this I want you to change something in the way you get ready in the morning. Whether it's, like I always start shaving on the left side. Shave on the right side. Yeah. Do something different in the way you get ready every morning this week. Okay. That when you do that, to say, you know what? There's not only this way about Jesus' life and death and resurrection of my salvation. There's a way to live that's different than everybody else. Or maybe the way I've been living. There's a different way to live. So is it, you know, take a shower first and then shave, or, or take a shower first and eat I don't Just change something in your routine. Okay? And when you do that, to be able to say, today, on this day, I'm going to live the Jesus Go again, look at it. Galatians 4.19, Romans 8.28 and 29. All of this speaks to the notion that our lives are to be conformed to the person of Jesus. Impossible? Yeah, probably so. That's why I'm telling you, pause. There's got to be another power inside of us as we pause, as we wait, as we hold on that allows us to live this different way. I'm not saying try harder. I'm saying pause and wait for the Jesus way in your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know there are all kinds of people in here today that 
are doing this and are living this way. There's some of us, and I will admit it's me at times, who just see you as the way in terms of salvation from hell and forgiveness, but don't always see you as the way, the way, the way to live that leads us to you, the Father. Would you help us in all that we do this week? To pause. To wait. To allow your way in our life to become clear. And the strength of the power of the Spirit of Jesus to live it. Would you grant to us the wisdom, the understanding, and the power to live your way this week. We pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We'll do the truth and the life. Next week.